Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. And it's the start of the month, and so it's time to shoot the flames. That's right. And we do have somewhat of an announcement. That's right. Happy anniversary, Chris. Happy anniversary, Robert. Oh my goodness. Technically, we're starting our fourth year now. This has completed our fourth year. Has it? Right? We're at four years. That's what anniversaries mean. I'm trying to think of how many posters we have, though. We're starting our way to our fifth year. Okay. Good. Well, happy want to say it. anniversary, <laughs> nonetheless. That's not like a bitch. <laughs> That's how anniversaries work, Robert. <laughs> I don't want to sound like a bitch, but you guys are really boring. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, can you believe it? Oh my gosh. It seems like just yesterday we were recording Copycat. It seems like eons ago. This was yeah. before 2020. I mean. Mm. If you think about it, 2020, that all was in the middle of our podcast career it does seem like a long time ago you're right the older i get the longer ago things seem so but i mean i've enjoyed the ride so far and i know we have a whole bunch of stuff planned so yeah, it's we're, not like we're going anywhere we're not running our movies no ever or franchises for that matter we'll be 97 years old and finally getting to some of the bottom of the barrel shit like right. i know what you did last summer i'm <laughs> <laughs> no we're doing that next year damn it <laughs> come hell or high water <laughs> no i was thinking like ouija shark or something we'll be like well we've done everything tune in 50 years when we finally deep dive into the cabinet of dr kilgari <laughs> <laughs> we got nothing else to talk about we're just gonna talk about Sharks in the cornfield. I don't know. Why does everything I think of have sharks in it? Nosferatu. <laughs> Max Shrek. Nosferatu pussy. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, as always, we need to thank you guys for continuing to listen and all of our new listeners who join us. Um, we're really happy to keep doing this podcast. We have a lot of fun with it and um, y'all make it fun for us. And that's kind of why we do Shooting the Flames. So we can talk about y'all too. Exactly. And speaking of which, we got a new review. Oh, what is it? From Random Dude in Australia. He said, great horror podcast. I just stumbled upon this awesome podcast after listening to the review of Interview with a Vampire from 1994. I was amazed at their insights and knowledge about this movie and films in general. I'm a bit of a horror film buff myself, and even I learn new things after listening to each of their podcast episodes. Great chemistry between the two hosts, with so much fun and wit injected into each review, but also so much thoughtfulness and passion about the films they're reviewing. I've been slowly going through each of their episodes and can't believe how many of my favorite films they've already reviewed. Top production quality and so damn funny as well. 10 out of 10. Well, thank you, random dude. From Australia. From Australia. It's good. It's always good to get reviews from around the globe. But that one was especially good. We really appreciate that. Especially down under. Oh. <laughs> good day. Uh, guys, we love getting reviews like this, and it really does help us as we're trying to inch our way toward getting certified as reviewers on Rotten Tomatoes. So... If you like our podcast, please head over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and give us a five-star review and tell us why you like us, and we'll read that on next month's Shooting the Flames. Exactly. We do have some comments to talk about, though. Are you ready for these? Oh, my God, yes. All right. So from our deep dive into Starship Troopers, at the Dave Mason over on Instagram said, I just listened. Great job on this enjoyable film. The Call Hour Hotline intro had me crying with laughter. I don't remember what we did. Um, I remember I oh, said... Oh, flip six free hole. And I was just like, take a stroll up my washout alley or something like that. 
Uh, we try to forget those as soon as we say them because yeah. sometimes they're gross. For those of you who like miss our outros because you, you hear the music and you just like stop the episode, we do something different every time. So That's right. it's worth to stick around. I mean, even when we're saying goodbye, we're still funny. So <laughs> listen all the way to the end. Wait until it hits that zero mark. Yeah. Okay? Right. <laughs> so George uh, sent us an email and said, hey, boys, right around the time this movie came out, I remember this story about Casper Van Dien that was kind of funny. I can't prove its legitimacy or where I heard it, but it's stuck with me. When Casper was younger, he supposedly worked in construction. And one day while on the job doing road work, there was a woman or maybe a woman driving by and distracted by his looks. I pictured him with his shirt off and a hard hat. Ha ha. Mm. The woman got into a car wreck from not paying attention and ogling Casper. Thanks again for the Verhoeven summer. George, that woman was me. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny, though. I mean, because I would totally do that. I think Casper Van Dien's super dreamy. Yeah. Even now. From our deep dive into RoboCop, we got uh, the first of many comments from Bennett over on Patreon. And he said, I have to take a moment to play Oscar police. You know, the ones that don't arrest nominees who go around punching presenters. It was incorrectly stated that Wall Street won Best Picture in 1987, when in fact it wasn't even nominated, though it did win Best Actor for Michael Douglas. The big winner that year was Bernardo Bertolucci's Last Emperor, which went home after winning all nine of its nominations. That being being said, if you got a group of people in a room together and asked for a show of hands of who's seen that film, you'd be lucky to get one or two hands raised. If you asked for a show of hands who's seen Wall Street, you might get as much as eight or nine out of ten. It's safe to say that the latter has been viewed by far more people of various age ranges, unless you're like me and decided to watch a three-hour epic about a Chinese emperor during the pandemic shutdown period. Uh, I don't know if that's true. That's a hypothesis. I don't know where he's getting his data. I mean, I've seen The Last Emperor. I've seen The Last Emperor. I have not seen Wall Street. Oh, really? Really? Oh, my good Lord. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm really not shocked by that, actually. You do love an epic. I do. Yeah. So, also, I mean, I do love the Oscars. I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. I have one tattooed on me. But I'm an Oscar lover who likes to drink while he records, and I can't remember everything, right? Yeah, so, well, it was Oscar winning, obviously. Yeah. I mean, keeps me on my toes, though. So, thanks, Bennett. Next time I mention the Oscars, I'm going to try to Google it first so I don't sound so stupid. <laughs> He's, he also said, P.S., I've only seen Robocop two or three times and totally forgot about Bitches Leave. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> Bitches leave. We'll never get old. From our deep dive into Showgirls, Bennett on Patreon, in response to us uh, calling the genre an erotic drama film, said, How does erotic comedy satire sound? It's not intentional, but aside from the unnecessary rape scene, it's pretty much a sex farce. Judging from the little I've seen of Verhoeven's early Dutch films from the 70s, which are virtually impossible to find in Region 1 video, he's definitely reveled in the sex farce material. On another crazy note, I once saw this at a theater in Portland, Oregon, and heard guys complaining they had never imagined they would grow so tired of seeing boobs. (laughs) This begs the question, does Verhoeven hold a secret power to make straight guys feel gay? If so, I fucking want it. Yeah, just watch Flesh and Blood. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, that'll turn them. Uh, Yeah. uh, You know what? Let's not get hung up on names, semantics. I mean, Eye of the Beholder, Rose by Any Other Name is still a rose. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, this movie has a lot of genre. Whatever you want to call it to make yourself feel better. Yeah, I mean, I'll call it whatever. I'm just going to call it Showgirls. Yeah, it kind of defies genre in it a way. It does. I mean, for real. Mm-hmm. But that sounds good to me, Bennett. 
Also over on Patreon, he said, I can talk endlessly about this camp classic, but something I rarely hear about is that scene where Julie brings her bratty kids into the green room. While I can barely stand her nemesis, I think her name is Annie, the one who yells, they're all going to see a smile and snatch if you don't fix that G-string. <laughs> I'm totally on board when she yells at Julie's brass to shut the fuck up. Those kids don't behave or sound at all like real children and not to be transported back to the land of leave it to Beaver. And yes, I said Beaver. Here, here. Leave it back in the Beaver? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, from our Flamers flashback episode on Sliver, Bennett also commented, I sought out this movie several years ago after reading about it in Joe Esterhaus's gigantic memoir, Hollywood Animal. If you haven't read it, it's a pretty entertaining read with lots of industry dirt. There's at least one chapter devoted just to this movie because he describes in detail not just the editing battle with the studio heads, but how much everyone, and I mean everyone, fucking hated each other. That especially goes for Stone and Baldwin. I would explain why their first sex scene has such an awkward vibe. Another sleazy tidbit. Producer Bob Evans, who is a story and legend in himself, first pitched this movie to Paramount with Joe Esterhaus at his side, describing it as a film all about pussy. Esterhaus claimed he was as surprised as the executives were when he heard this. Either way, while it was arguably a flop in the United States, it made far more money overseas and ultimately grossed over $100 million worldwide. This was seen as a comeback for Bob Evans at Paramount since he'd spent over a decade before that in a court battle over a murderer scandal and as well as being knee deep in cocaine. Cocaine? Cocaine. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Hmm. It's evident that everyone hated each other, but that kind of works for the story. True. It fits. And it's not just about pussy. It's about looking at pussy. <sighs> well, then it also said, P.S. I have to disagree with Robert about Colleen Camp. Well, I haven't seen Clue in a long time. I found her character in this to be annoying as hell. She's that one woman in the office who won't stop talking about her stupid sex life. And you just want to yell, girl, shut up and go back to your cubicle. That being said, she does deliver laughs, but I find myself laughing at her rather than with her. Even Sharon Stone seems to be fake laughing with her on one scene, then goes stone-faced after Camp leaves the room. But maybe she does that with everyone. Who knows? Just like my response to George earlier, Bennett, I am that woman. People keep telling me to stop talking about my sex life and go back to my cubicle. All right. Do you have a cubicle? No, no you I have an orifice. Office. I have a whole orifice. The biggest <laughs> orifice in all of my department. Really? That's, That's right. Amazing. So I've been told. Wow. <laughs> Colin Camp is funny. I mean, like, yeah, I feel like her character is supposed to be that way. I think you're supposed to be laughing at her, not with her, right? I think she's supposed to be annoying, right? She's doing her job in this movie. And in Clue, as Yvette the Maid, she is delightful. Yes. From our deep dive into Aliens, at BCH1977 from Instagram said, Another superb review. Just watched the special edition last night, and wow, this movie has aged perfectly. Agreed. Yes, sir. From our deep dive into Alien, BCH1997 on Instagram also said, I'm so addicted to your reviews. Love the banter and deep analysis and humor. Can't stop listening. Help. No, we're not going to help you with that. Keep listening. That's right. Do it. <laughs> Keep listening to our podcast, you bitch. <laughs> Bitches, stay. <laughs> <laughs> We got a few questions, and uh, our first is uh, an email from Bennett. And he said, there are a couple horror franchises I'm eager to hear you cover sometime in the not-too-distant future. First, the Omen trilogy, the first one being one of my favorite all-time horror classics. 
Second and more controversial is Jeepers Creepers 1 and 2. I know another popular horror podcast that refuses to cover those films, but I know you've expressed some interest in them. And I think we even talked about them with like a a hot takes or what we've been watching kind of episode Mm -hmm. not too, too long ago, like within the last year or so. Yeah, because you watched them recently. Yeah, I watched them recently and I watched uh, Jeepers Creepers 2 and I've been telling you to watch it. Because I've never seen it. Yeah, so we'll eventually we'll cover those. Yeah. There's lots of people that work on these films, uh, whatever, you know issues we have with a, a director or an actor or whatever you know it's not fair to shut down or you know stonewall an entire film when hundreds or thousands of people work on them you know what i mean so a movie stands on its own or should and so that's our take i think and so we're not going to yeah. just you know have a blacklist of films it's not the first time that we would have covered movie that had controversy in it you know from one angle or another and that's that's part of the conversation and history of of film itself right Sure. yeah i mean people do stupid things things that we don't agree with right but i I think we're gonna cover up uh, apt pupils soon and that has some issues with it it certainly does yep i mean director issues abound in that film so i mean like we're not going to shy away from talking about it because that's part of the conversation of the movie itself exactly it's fascinating mm-hmm. bennett sent us another email yeah and he said i have personal question to ask both of you i know you've referred to both your husbands as husbears so i'm guessing you and your partners consider yourselves to be bears i don't know a whole lot about bears though all gay men like me have known one or two at some point or another years ago I heard filmmaker John Waters talk about how bears supposedly have to go through a second coming out with their parents. Is this true or was he just making up shit for his stand-up routine? Also, I'm pretty sure I'd count as an otter. I just came out one time. I don't know. It's like pegging someone in a like a social hole from, you know, what they look like or what their body type is. You know, and so yeah, I'm um uh, hairy. <laughs> And big. <laughs> I'm not like a brick shit house or anything, but you know, I guess you could say I'm on the bear side. And I guess all of us might be. Matt's kind of otterish. Yeah. Bearish. I don't know. I mean, I, I have the beholder kind of stuff. You know what I mean? That. I and mean, no, I, there's no fucking second coming out. <laughs> no. If people come out one time only, I can't even imagine what that would be. I don't even think that's funny. So he needs to really work on that stand up routine. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I know that like. Bears, like anyone else in like the community, is some sort of like subgroup, right? They have yeah. events and things like that. I think bears are fun or whatever. I mean, so from that standpoint, yeah. I mean, I look like a bear and I enjoy being around other bears. I feel but... like they're somewhat maybe of a more, if you were to look at it from like a, I don't know, sociopolitical standpoint, they seem to be a little bit more healthy of a, of a group as okay. far as like mindset. You know yes. what I mean? Very, um, they're not as body conscious. Nope. Right. It's, it's very like, you know, happy at any size, hair level, whatever, you know, and they're just a bunch of normal guys generally versus, you know, yeah, the ones that are in the club every night or something. I feel like the bear community know. is not toxic at all. Like they tend to be very no. welcoming. Yeah. They're very body positive. Like you said, they're very sex positive. And I'm not in that community. You know what I mean? Like I'm not going to the bear events or anything like that. And I'm, I don't either. But if I had my choice between like a normal gay bar or like a bear that was a bear bar, like I would choose the bear bar any day. You would feel more comfortable anyway. Yeah. yeah, of course. You know, so I'm, I don't know. I think the answer to your question is we all consider ourselves to be bears, although we're not exactly like active in these circles. Yeah, I guess, yeah, our point is that we would be classified from the outside, maybe as on yeah. their side, possibly. Well, and I'm pretty body but positive. I, I wouldn't. Positive and fun, yeah. So, I mean. yeah, and husband is just fun to say. It is. I mean, true, right? Yeah. 
when he said I had a personal question, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't too personal. That's fine. Well, speaking of personal, we have a new patron. Oh, uh, who is it? It's Random Dude. <gasps> Random Dude from Australia? Yes. Welcome to the family, Random Dude. Uh, we really hope that you're enjoying the content over there on Patreon and encourage you to talk amongst the other patrons and continue to send us like comments and emails and things like that. Yeah, I love it when we get new reviews and patrons from down under. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, while you're down there, <laughs> <laughs> keep listening. <laughs> Investigate my bareness. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to do a shout out to all of our patrons here at the Film Flamer tier or higher over on Patreon. And they are Ben, Kimberly, Kyle, Lisa, Penelope, and Wall Stretch. If you'd like to join the Patreon family, head over to patreon.com slash the Film Flamers to get all of our bonus content, to get our episodes early, and to just, you know, talk to us. So do that. Yeah. I mean, you guys just fed us through a poll, the advent of watching Flesh and Blood to round out our Verhoeven month, which turned out to be kind of a cool conversation. And That's right. definitely worthy of watch and conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a, yeah, it's just check out that Patreon episode. For sure. Anyway, in the future, uh, I think we're going to be, you know, either have a poll or just watch uh, AVP over on Patreon for, for this month for mm-hmm. our rounding out of summer blockbuster months for Alien franchise. And in the future, you'll get episodes early, as well as obviously all the bonus episodes that only you get to listen to and choose many of the times. So, and we have some good pulls coming up for the fall too. Wes Craven is going to play an appearance, so that's mm-hmm. definitely a reason to join us on Patreon so you can pick some Wes Craven movies for us to watch. Yeah, join us, become one of us. Come play with us, patrons, <laughs> forever and ever and ever. Horror news. <laughs> Just about to do it. <laughs> All right, we've had a couple months that was, you know, kind of lackluster with the horror news, and that trend is continuing into August, but here are some things. Mm-hmm. So, one of our favorite actresses in horror movies or otherwise is joining the cast of Scream 6, and she is Samara Weaving. Oh my god. Now, have we ever talked about her name, like, before? Like, could you pick a better, like... I don't know, upcoming or new like actress name for horror. Samara from the ring and weaving like Weaver, you know, mm-hmm. my God, I love it. Samara. Well, I love her too, though. I mean, like every time I see her in a movie, I'm super, super excited. And this is good because that same directing duo that did Scream 5 and Ready or Not has worked with her before. So they're bringing her on to Scream 6. And I feel like she's going to inject that movie with some goodness. Right. She does with every movie that she's in. That is true. Also, Hayden Panettiere, who played Kirby in Scream 4, who we all thought was dead, apparently is coming back for Scream 6. Oh, my God. She needs something to do. She really does. I feel like she's been bored lately. Um, Yeah. I haven't seen her at all, and she's a great talent. I love her. I loved her on Heroes very much. Oh, my God. Save the cheerleader. Save mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. Next up, we got Spirit Halloween, the movie. <laughs> I had to throw this in there because why? What is it about? Like, I don't know. It's like about the store, I guess. Okay. I guess things happen. It's supposed to be like a family-friendly horror movie. It has Rachel Lee Cook in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Interesting. She also needed something to do. And apparently that was Spirit yeah. Halloween, the movie. Mm. Okay, well, she can add that to the resume. I feel like uh, I feel like I'll probably never watch this. I do enjoy that store, though. Hey, maybe it'll be a, a, like an anthology. 
you know and maybe it'll be like oh of course they're going to enter the stupid spirit store and everything comes to life or something you know that's kind of what i'm hoping for like a night at the museum kind of or like, be like, like buffy episode where everyone gets their costumes and they turn into those <gasps> characters you know i love that episode <laughs> that would be good okay yeah. maybe we'll have to wait for a trailer but it's coming out this fall so wow. either they made it in record time or it's been made for a while who knows okay Finally, in the horror news, uh, there's a movie being made called Lisa Frankenstein, and it's written by Diablo Cody. And this movie shows a girl in 1989 who is reassembling and reanimating a corpse in a horror comedy. I love that it's Lisa Frankenstein, because do you remember Lisa Frank? I like, do. I the, all the binders and like unicorns. And, and stickers and shit. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Because as soon as I saw this headline, I was like, that's clever, Diablo. Yeah. But, yeah. So uh, from what I read, essentially, it has uh, that that woman who played in Freaky, right? Who switched bodies with mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn. And so she's the lead in this, and she reanimates a Victorian corpse is it Juno Birch? <laughs> but and she's reanimating this corpse by using the tanning bed in her garage. Wow. Yes. I'm sure it's covered in Lisa Frank. Ginstein. <laughs> <laughs> that just reminded me of that uh Fatal Attraction sequel, like the second or third one where the, the blonde bitches are dying in the tanning beds. Final destination. Final destination, whatever right. it was. What did I say? Fatal attraction. Oh, <laughs> Whatever. I mean, same thing. I'm still waiting for that Fatal Attraction sequel, oh including God. a tanning bed. Is it a sequel or is it a remake? Oh, it's oh, re- it was the kids in space. Was it from our? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we do a, a? Yeah, we did back when we were doing a sequel ideas. <laughs> I remember that bonus episode. <laughs> Another reason to go to Patreon. We gotta, we gotta like bring that. Michael back. Douglas's daughter or whatever was uh, <laughs> named Ellen Ripley. <laughs> she changed her name. <laughs> that was yours. That was your sequel idea. I yeah. love it. I remember it. Like it was four years ago. <laughs> Coming soon. But just like last month, we have a whole slew of trailers to talk about. In fact, there are so many that, again, we had to push some back for another Shooting the Flames episode. Yeah. In fact, the ones that we were going to cover last month still don't have like solid release dates. So we're only covering ones with solid release dates. So we can tell you exactly when you're going to see them. Yeah, exactly. Much like this first one that's coming to Peacock on August the 5th, and it's called They Slash Them. Oh, how clever. Uh-huh. Is Diablo Cody behind that? <laughs> probably. There's probably a tanning bed somewhere in here. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this movie is about a group of gay boys and lesbians who are sent to a gay conversion therapy camp mm-hmm. led by Kevin Bacon. <gasps> And, um, you know, strange things are afoot. Nefarious things. Yeah. And this comes out on Peacock exclusively on August 5th. I kind of want to see this movie. Yes, me too. Well, we always need to like, look, I mean, there was an article that came out a number of years ago about how like most gay movies are shitty or gay themed movies are shitty unless they're like high dramas about the tragedy of being gay somehow. Yeah. You know, and so uh, we need to throw our money in, in clicks and views at some of these movies if we want more of them. Because the more they are, the more they get better and better and more mainstream, right? With more money thrown behind them. So, hey, let's let's just check it out. Hopefully it's not like bury your gaze trope the movie. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're holding a lot of things close to the chest with this trailer. I mean, they're showing you some things, but the rest of it, like it seems 
pretty empowering to me from a gay standpoint. Like one woman actually says, I have no interest in not being gay. Yeah. And they're kind of like resisting this conversion or whatever's happening. The thing that strikes me the funniest is that there's this like big buff, like daddy guy holding like handcuffs and saying, let's play and shit like that. And I was like, why would you send little gay boys to a camp yeah. to not be gay and have that there to look at the entire time? It makes right. no sense to me. But yeah, no, I'm definitely going to be watching this. And I feel like we'll probably be talking about it on some sort of hot takes episode at some point. Next up, we've got a movie called Fall that hits the theaters, not in the fall, but in the summer, August 12th. (laughs) See what you did there? Yeah, it's called Fall from a High Concept. (laughs) (laughs) It's essentially what it is. (laughs) Yeah, it it seems like, um, you know, it's one of those like Frozen or you could say, uh, where's the what's the one with all the women went down under the in the cave and spelunked? Uh, the descent. The descent. Yeah. Except this one is just two girls, and they're going up this old radio tower, like two thousand feet. feet. Yeah. yeah, huge. Yeah, and then you know wacky hijinks ensue, and you're clutching your pearls watching this trailer. Yeah, I know. I knew this trailer might give you a little bit of anxiety, which is why I threw it in there. Yeah, it's simple as milk, but it's going to be effective. I just know it. Right. I mean, my husband really doesn't like heights. Yeah. And so this is not for him. My feet hurt. Like whenever I see heights, like, I don't know what it is. Like my blood like rushes away from my torso and goes to my extremities or something. But Mm -hmm. whenever I like watch this trailer, like my feet just like started hurting. I don't know what it is. And it happens only, only ever when I see like heights and I'm not explicitly afraid of heights, but does anyone else have that? Is that like a known phenomenon? Let us know, (laughs) please. I mean, feel normal. My feet were hurting while watching this because you're climbing a ladder up that fucking tower. And I was like, that seems like it would be here. They're not even wearing gloves. No. And it's gonna it looks hot. Yeah. It's a metal ladder in the middle of summer and a climbing anyway, whatever. I digress. I'm not scared of heights at all. Like I the higher the better for me. I'm perfectly fine with it. When whenever we go to Vegas, they have these rides that are all on top of this hotel and it sort of like juts you out over the side of it, mm-hmm. right? And I always want to go on it, but no one ever wants to do it with me. Next up is a movie that's coming to Netflix on August the 12th, and it's called Day Shift. Right. And this has Snoop Dogg and Dave Franco and Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. And it looks fun. Yeah. I mean, it looks fun. It looks funny. Some of the um, effects look a little hokey, but it looks like some nice daytime vampire action. Right. And that's exactly what it is. So Jamie Foxx plays a man who used to be some sort of vampire killer. He's gotten out of the biz, but he's got to get back in it to earn some money to save his estranged family. And so Snoop Dogg brings him right back into the vampire killing. Yeah. It's like John Wick meets Blade, but it's a comedy. A buddy comedy. A buddy comedy. <laughs> with... <laughs> Jamie Foxx and Dave Franco appeared together with a little Snoop Dogg thrown in. I mean, honestly, if that doesn't sound fun to you, like, I just don't know what your taste levels are at. So, but yeah, I mean, it seems like a a cool, funny movie and I will watch fucking Snoop Dogg do anything. There's a scene where he pulls out this ridiculously large machine gun and it's just mowing down. Yeah. Vampires. Yeah. I'm like, yes, please sign me up. Snoop Doggy. next up we got a movie called the patient which is actually a hulu series coming out on august 30th and this stars steve carell steve carell and donald gleason donald donald yeah donald gleason from lost yeah and it it seemed from what was he in lost no are you sure i'm sure what was he in harry potter (laughs) lord of the rings no He was in some episodes of Black Mirror. Okay. Whatever. He's been in a lot. Yes. But he's playing like this, I guess, budding serial killer that's being 
you know, that's going through therapy sessions with Steve Carell. And it actually gives, giving me a lot of like kind of silence of the lambs vibes. Definitely. You know? Yeah. So he's like trying to get his therapy and tells Steve Carell that, you know, he has like this incredible urge to kill people. And from what it looks like, Throughout this trailer, he has like kidnapped Steve Carell for all of his therapy needs because Steve Carell is like chained up, right? I don't know. I didn't, I don't know that. Like I saw him like maybe possibly killing a baby, and like they're burying people, and it looks kind of nail biting. It looks really good actually, and we know that Steve Carell has uh, drama acting chops, which we, just, we for do, sure. and obviously Donald Gleason does. He's proven that again and again, but in the things that we don't know that we watched. <laughs> But I remember he's good. <laughs> I'm sure that once we pull up IMDb, he's been able that his work hasn't been. <laughs> We're gonna be like, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> no, this looks right up my fucking alley. Like I, it's the, definitely the kind of thing that I would watch and enjoy. So, and I have Hulu, so I don't have to subscribe to something like Booking Peacock when this other movie comes out. Yeah. So. Next up is a trailer for a series that's coming to Amazon on September the second, and I know that you have to be excited as hell for this series lord of the rings the rings of power yeah potentially you know so amazon famously bought the rights to lord of the rings for something like 250 million dollars mm-hmm. and then right after that basically committed to like a five-year output so that's over a billion dollars so they're putting everything into this and uh it's it's already in the guinness book for the most expensive television series ever made mm. by far and it looks like they're pulling out of those stops. Howard Shore from the original films is coming back to the, do the music. They've got a lot, a lot of the people that have done work on the, on the artwork and stuff like Alan Howe and, and Weta, I think is doing all the effects and stuff. So it's a bunch of people from the movies coming back to do this. And the people that are running it seem to be big fans of like literature, like Shakespeare and obviously have read things like the Silmarillion, which is kind of like the prequel to Lord of the Rings, but it covers like tens of thousands of years. Oh, Jesus. Or if, long, if not longer, it's kind of like the mythology behind it. And there's like fire demons and like nasty nameless creatures and it gets kind of Cthulian and stuff. So it looks like a lot of this might make its way into this series based on this trailer. And it's looking very horror adjacent in a way, in some ways that Lord of the Rings wasn't. Of course, it had its ring wraiths and, you know, monsters and things like that. But there's a lot of potential here for really dark, cool stuff. So I'm excited about it because I've read The Silmarillion. They don't have access to that book. They don't have the rights to it. But there's a bunch of references to everything that's in The Silmarillion and the appendices of Return of the King, which is, of course, one of the Lord of the Rings books. So I'm excited, potentially. We'll see. I mean, it looks really pretty, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it looks expensive, for sure. Oh, oh, yeah. Which, apparently, it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it does look really horror-adjacent. I mean, I, I still consider the original trilogy to be very horror-adjacent, right? I mean, it's 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 really good. What did you say at the end? You are like, is that a ball rag? <laughs> is that a ball rag? <laughs> ball rag, right? Ball rag? Is that what it's called? Ball rag. <laughs> Oh, no. I know there's an O there. I mean, I played the slot machine religiously. Come on. I'm always gazing into that palantir whenever in a bonus game. I mean, when you when you showed the trailer yesterday, I was just like, I prefer Lord of the Rings in slot machine form. So for those of our listeners who like to gamble, if you haven't played the Lord of the Rings slot machine, seek it out. It's a good time. Go gaze into that palantir. And it has Kate Blanchett narrating all your wins. I mean, every time you win big, she's like, a just reward. And I'm like, I love it. <laughs> so fun. 
<laughs> at some point we might have to do a blockbuster summer with some of the Lord of the Rings movies. I'm down for it. I have, I've seen these movies only one time and I've never seen the extended cuts of them. <sighs> I know. Okay. We can do this. We'll Sweet. do this. All right. But we have one more trailer to talk about, and we're going to talk about the thing that everyone online is talking about right now, too, and that's the teaser trailer. It's a kind of a long teaser for Halloween Ends. Right. And so that's in theaters October 14th. This Halloween is Halloween. And it's ending. <laughs> Finally, the longest night ever. For real, though. I mean, like, we were just watching the trailer together, and I was like, is this the same night? Like... <laughs> As all the same, all the movies take place in like one fucking night. Yeah, they, they've already gone to like a restaurant together as a family, and then their house is burnt down. He's already been all over town, back and forth to a hospital and back. She's and then to already a on again. pills. She's probably already healed by now because <laughs> she's not on her cast anymore, or whatever. Yeah, her da- is her daughter alive or dead? It doesn't I mean, make like, s- yeah. I don't know. It's Honestly, like, yeah. I'm ready for it to end. <laughs> Based on the last movie, I'm ready for it to end too. Yeah, the last movie left a really bad taste in my mouth. I want it to be like there to be some sort of ultimate end, you know, like some sort of recontextualization. Like watch the body burn, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just fucking end it. <laughs> Do you want Laurie Strode to die? I don't care. I don't really care either. I mean, I just, I'm, just, I'm just along for the ride at this point, you know, I guess. I got my dream role for Jamie Lee Curtis in Everything Everywhere All at Once. For real? So, you know what? That can tide me over until she's in a better horror movie. I don't know. I know. I mean, like, we're still going to watch this movie. Obviously, we're invested in this new trilogy, right? I kind of want to, because I'm sure it'll be on Peacock as well, like the other one, right? I feel like we could just, like, have a whole day with it and watch the other two, even though uh, watching that middle one. Yeah. But, I mean, like, it's fine. Let's, let's. Do it, I guess. Yeah. Let's end it. Evil ends tonight. Do but it doesn't do? because we have to talk about our hot take of nope. That's right. Let me open a drink for this. <laughs> so last night, my wonderful co-host and I went out and saw nope at the Alamo Draft House here in Dallas. That's right. I think this was one of the, my most anticipated horror movies this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've been talking about it literally. Like the, I think the first time we recorded in this nook was a year ago, like today. And we were talking about the poster that had come out, Yep, which was super intriguing. Mm-hmm. And then we got that weird trailer where it was just like a series of like flashes of shots and things like that, which was kind of mysterious. You really didn't know what was going on. We have talked about this movie quite a bit. On Shooting the Flames yep. leading up to it, right? And um, I, for one, can go ahead and give my hot take and say that it does not suck. It's no, a- it doesn't. It's it's better than, to me, um, it may not be as like seminal as like Get Out. No. For sure. And But it's it's better than Us. Agreed. To me, it kind of achieves, a little overlong, but it kind of achieves what it sets out to do. And it's not another, really, it's not really another message movie, clearly, right? For like society versus kind of more about respect but we don't want to you know spoil anything but there is kind of a recontextualization in the movie that i did not really expect mm-hmm. and it was pleasing yes it was fun i will say that i feel like jordan peele really understands horror tropes and horror characters yeah and he's always turning things on their head a little bit and he's always like creating a movie where you feel like you know what you're going into immediately and then just like pulling the rug out from underneath you and creating a a new and exciting experience in horror right as much as i feel like us is his like 
worst movie of the three horror movies that he's made, right? It's still a very good genre-defying and trope-defying movie, right? With some great performances, amazing cinematography, really good music. Uh, I would say the pacing is a little mixed. Um, someone said it's like four very promising movies mashed together or something yeah. like like that. And I can kind of see that, you know, but overall I would w- definitely watch it again. I would definitely recommend it. I think both of us would. And I, I think my rating for it was four star. And I think yours was four and a half. Yeah. I, I think the one thing that was keeping me from giving this a five star rating was its length, right? Length and a, and a little bit, you know, of that pacing mismatch, you know, mm-hmm. it would, there's a lot of start and stops. And I was okay throughout the beginning and middle, right? Like there was, there's good exposition, right? Mm -hmm. And good, very good characters in this movie, very likable characters. Yeah. And I mean, and they all serve a purpose. It's just like the end of the movie lasts a little bit too long. I'm just like, okay, it's time to start wrapping it up. And it took more time to get to the wrap up. No, it's not egregious. It's just something that I kind of felt, right? It's not something like, oh my, and then I, I felt again, you know what I mean? I didn't. I just kind of noted that to myself mentally. And then in, in retrospect, it felt a little long too. Like it was just kind of repeated itself a little bit, little. but you know, definitely, obviously our, our, our ratings are super high for this. So I would go out and find whatever biggest screen you can. Mm-hmm. Part of this, he filmed on IMAX, you know, and he wanted to create kind of a Spielbergian spectacle. And that's exactly what he's achieved. And he has added to his oeuvre of capabilities. Did you know, because I did not, outside of like amusement parks, that there are 4D theaters? So like this movie is also showing in 4D. So like there are buttons and things you can push to like feel effects while you're watching the movie. There shouldn't be buttons that they press 4D. You can turn it off. You can hit the button to turn it off if you want to, I guess. Like you don't have to do it while you watch the movie. It's happening. You can just the button to like start it or stop it. Right. Interesting. I had no idea that existed outside of like a Six Flags, you know, but. I don't know what you would possibly feel or smell no, or do, right? But 4D I'm used to outside of the theme park is usually just like rumble and a little movement in the chair and that's it. So I know I'm kind of like interested to see like what this movie would feel like in that particular kind of environment. Although it, it may get super annoying, but yeah. Uh, the One of the number one things that I want to talk about in this movie before we wrap up is that I, f- I feel like the acting in this movie is very, very good yeah right just like any other jordan peele movie right what did you say this week when we were talking about it he's an actress director or something like that yeah and that's true i mean like kiki palmer in this movie does a fantastic job i even feel that daniel kaluuya does an excellent job in this too like i i again whenever i see like a, a jordan peele movie I, I can like look at it and say like, that's an Oscar caliber performance. It's happened every single time I have watched one of his horror movies. And this is no different for me. Yeah. I wished for that character. He had kind of established the character more because I didn't really understand him to be, you know, how he was, uh, how I came to understand him later in the film. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't really get like the, the broke back mountain kind of quality to these characters until much later. Yeah, you know? you're, yeah, you're right. I mean, as far as like Kalia's character, right? I, I feel like Kiki Palmer, the minute she is on screen, we know exactly who this person is, yeah. right? You know? But she was just fucking stellar in this movie. Like she is in anything that she's She had in. a lot to do. Yeah. So yeah. And uh, the guy from uh, Fries. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever he was, he did a great job. He was so cute too. Everyone was good. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a really good movie. All right. So, I mean, like, I feel like I had some high or middling expectations because I was like, okay, if I go into this and I walk out feeling the same way that I did after us, like it's a good movie, but I'm underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Right. I, 
not be ready to write off Jordan Peele, but I'm like, okay, like, you know, you, you struck gold with one particular thing, but this movie is excellent and I encourage everyone to go see it. Exactly. And there's not like an M. Night Shyamalan twist to this, but there is kind of a recontextualization to what your expectations are, possibly. Yep. So try and go in with no spoilers. Please don't. And we didn't watch that second trailer and we, we've heard it shows too much, but yeah, I've heard that too. And I'm glad that I did now. Yeah. Well, I think that just about wraps up this anniversary edition of Shooting the Flames. Stay tuned with us next week when we go into Prometheus. That's right. And the week after that, when we go into Covenant and fully wrap up the Alien franchise. And as we said earlier, over on Patreon, we might be possibly showing you a poll to pick the AVP uh, Alien-adjacent movie that we'll be watching or... You know, just watching AVP, we'll see. That's right. You might be able to choose the AVP of your dreams. Who knows? We'll see. But as always, we like having your comments and questions. So continue to look for us on social media at the Foam Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at tiredqueens at foamflamers.com or call our hotline at 972-666-7733. Mmm. You slash me. Ooh, your bussy is not of planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Evil comes tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time, everybody, go off and have some sweet, sweet dreams. dreams.